It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Jay Crawford, Adam the Bull, Garrett Bush, Tyvis Powell, Jason Lloyd, plus... You're loving him. Mikey McNuggets. And so many big names, it would take me hours to say all of their names. The ultimate Cleveland sports show starts now. Booyah! Hey! Here we are! Yes, indeed! I'm back. Yes, I know the show is not as exciting without me. I, I admit it's true. Yeah, man. Um, I wasn't <laughs> here either. I'll be honest. Did somebody explain to them? You know, when, I, when I'm not here, you know, I get yeah. these, um, you know, because people think I'm, I'm, I'm fragile. I'm going I'm yeah. to perish one day. Yeah. Um, but we're all going to perish. Yeah, we're all going to perish, but they think <laughs> mine's like imminent. Yeah. Uh, they keep, they'll be like, yo, you good today, G. Bush? Yeah. What happened, G? You good? I'm yeah. like. Did anybody explain to them what, what our, um, our, our offseason hours are? Yeah, we did. We, we made it pretty did clear. We? But not everybody's watching it. That, that's fair. Not everyone watches every yeah. day. I yeah. put up a tweet saying, hey, we, we're doing this thing this year where... We did it uh, last year, too. For, we did it last year, but... Well, G was still working five days a week last yeah, year. Yeah. But it, we're, we've decided to, in the, off, in the non-football season from February to through July, we're all doing three days a week. It gives a little more on-air time for, you know, host time or panel time, I should say. For both Earl and Mike, it gives more uh, producing time for Earl, gives the other guys, and then we get a little time off, which is nice. So, uh, yeah, so G work is work, working Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, Yes, right? yes. I'm working Wednesday, Thursday, Fridays, and Jay's working Mondays and Fridays. And Jason Tyvis, Tuesday, Jason Thursday. Jason Tyvis, Tuesday and Thursday. And, re- and really quick, thank you for everybody who checked out yeah. uh, the Ultimate Brown Show on yeah. Monday. Yep. Um, shout out to Leroy. He was our first guest. Uh, on Mondays, I'm going to try to have Brown's Legends on every single Monday. Coming up next week, I got Browns legend uh, Jerry Ball. He played for the Detroit uh, Lions as well. Um, I met him at the high school Hall of Fame. He was inducted there. So we'll have Jerry Ball on Monday, 5 p.m. Um, so we'll keep it going. On Fridays, um, hopefully we're working on some things. We got a voicemail line where you can call and leave, uh, you know, some voicemails for, for people and comments and such. So check it out every single Monday and Friday, 5 p.m., to 5.30 p.m. That's right. And, of course, Mike and Jason have the, uh, every Tuesday, is the Ultimate Cavs show. Mm-hmm. And Earl, who's producing today in Miley Glass, has the Ultimate 216 show. Is Tonight's the first show, right? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Tomorrow night. I thought it was, oh, yeah, that's right. The Guardian show is going to be Wednesday. Your show is on Thursday. Uh, so, Earl, uh, tell us about the show, and hello to you. To, how you doing? So, I'm excited and nervous at the same time. Me and Mike had a conversation I don't have an issue coming up with topics or creating rundowns, but for whatever reason, I'm just stuck. And I think it's because I'm excited. Um, the Ultimate 216 show is different. You know, you won't see a lot of recognizable faces or, or names in the beginning, but what I hope to do is really just highlight people in the city of Cleveland, which is why it's the Ultimate 216 show. So coaches, teachers, tutors, council people, the mayor, uh, people who uh, run community centers, things like that. I feel like the city gets a lot of negative light shined on it all the time. And so we're going to have some real-life conversations. 
we're going to bring on some people that's actually doing something and that could possibly help whoever that's trying to do something get started. We're going to have a lot of fun. So uh, tomorrow, just a little tease, we're going to be talking about passionate overpaid. So we're going to have some fun with it. All right, there you go. So everybody's check out all our new shows. They're all at 5 p.m. What's that? Yeah, 5 p.m. 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. All right, Mike, as a, apparently as a story, we got to get to a few things and we'll get yes. to our first topic. But go ahead. It's Today's a special anniversary, right? Yeah, today's, I think you were here, G. I don't think you were here, Bull, but every yeah. year WKYC, which we're housed in, does yeah. their chili cook-off where you can yeah. submit chilies. Yeah, I remember that. You, they're blind anonymous, and then you vote on your favorites. Right. Now, we miss Mike Polk here. Mike Polk is the busiest man in show business. He does stories for WKYC. He hosts a 7 o'clock show for WKYC. We loved having him here. His schedule He's doing got, a new political show he's doing a politi- too. Yeah. He's the, he is pulled in a thousand different directions upstairs every day, and this just became something he couldn't do. But in honor of Mike Polk, I have to tell you what he did last year. So he entered the chili cook-off, but you don't know which one is which. Yeah. Polk came in dead last place. <laughs> dead last. Now. Out of how many? Twelve. Okay. Now, what's interesting is the next day we got an email, stationwide email, yeah. which they tell you upstairs, do not use stationwide emails unless it's in a complete emergency because it comes with a little red exclamation part, right. flagged, important. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And it's Mike Polk. What Mike Polk did was he went to ch- uh, Wendy's and bought five <laughs> gallons of Wendy's chilies and put it in a crock pot. And he shamed everybody upstairs for voting. He was like, this chili's been good enough for America. For 110 years, but it's not good enough for you distinguished WKYC palates. And it was a picture of him carrying a giant vat of chili. Like Kevin from The Office. I like spilled the chili. So Mike Polk, and I I have not been upstairs yet to check out the chilies. I think Polk did put another entry in this year. I have not spoken to him yet. One of the fast food restaurants has chili. I don't know, but you know he he, he didn't make chili himself. No. But the the picture of him carrying a giant vat of Wendy's chili to his car. It was... Classic Polk fashion. Hey, hey, He's like, you, who do you yeah. think you are to be better than the American population voting yeah. this chili last? Hey, Nuggets, man, you got to know, man. Back to, listen, listen, Wendy's is a cult classic. I love Wendy's. The, 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 origin, the original menu, the original dollar menu, mm. junior bacon cheeseburger, junior cheeseburger deluxe, sour cream, bacon, sour cream and chive baked potato. Gee, you had the chili hungry, on right? there and you got five nuggets. It wasn't a four piece nugget. Yeah. It was a five piece nugget the frosty was on there the, the fries was on there medium joints a side salad was on there these is all 99 cent by the way who's eating a salad no right? fun fact my first ever job was at wendy's i worked at wendy's from like 16 to 20 and i was the meat opener so i was the one who you made the what? chili uh, <laughs> 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 what other, did you work at any other fast food restaurants earl yeah so it's it's funny <laughs> Nobody made me sign a non-compete. I actually had two jobs. I've always like worked two jobs at the time. Yeah. I worked at Wendy's and then I worked at McDonald's part-time. Wow. Which but place I used to like make the better? chili. Like uh, Wendy's is better. W- Wendy's is way better. Yeah. So and and it's real meat. It's never frozen. It's All really right. fresh meat. And what we would do <laughs> is, real meat can be frozen, by the way. It's hey. fresh, never hey, uh, frozen. I think, I think we need to talk about this. Did you guys work at any fast food restaurants? Uh, I worked at see. regular restaurants, never a fast I worked, food restaurant. I worked at, in, a, in a kitchen in a, in a bar and grill. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was in there just doing my own thing, remixing stuff. Yeah. Just coming up with own sauces. It didn't I, turn out good. I worked at Pizza Hut. I worked at Taco Bell. By the way, I don't know if they still do this, but when I worked at Taco Bell, you'd make the meat. Like in the tacos, mm-hmm. it would come in like a bag, and you'd boil yeah. the bag. Yeah, I've seen that. 
It's disgusting. Uh, do, do you? Do, but do I like. But I love Taco Bell. Bell it's delicious. It yeah. Kind of was gross, but gordita or chalupa? I didn't eat either of those. Gordita. I'm a burrito guy. Gordita or chalupa? Uh, chalupa. Yeah, chalupa. Hey, them chalupas, man. When Ooh. I worked at Taco Bell in Brooklyn, I worked. I worked at three different pizza huts. One in Greenwich, Connecticut. One in Canarsie, Brooklyn, and one in uh, Douglaston, Queens. And then I worked at another restaurant called Seniors, which was an independent. And Pizza Hut was those, was the lick because back in the day, we really didn't, like, my mom would just be cooking. We had yeah. all kind of, you know, three big boys, so she wasn't about to go to Pizza But when you go to Pizza Hut, that was like a treat. Yeah. Like, I remember oh, I used the to, lunch buffet. Oh, my. Nuts for lunch buffet. <laughs> Boy. Yeah. Those are the good old days. Good old days, man. By the way, so Saturday, I just want to tell the story because I haven't been on since Friday. Saturday, I I got I went down, I took my son to the Lake Erie, uh, Lake Erie, they used to be the Lake Erie Monsters, the Cleveland Monsters game, right? 10-1? They won 9 nothing. 9 nothing. They played a great game. Uh, it was tied for the most goals in the history of the franchise. But, and it was a great crowd. First of all, it was packed. It took me forever. It was a lot of traffic downtown. Yeah, I was coming home from Chagrin yeah. for the horse show, and I was like, what the heck's going on yeah, downtown? I saw your videos. We've got to talk about that in a minute. We talked about it. I hate horses. Oh, okay. I'm terrified. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's weird whole, that you're scared of horses. I almost got, you missed the whole, go back and watch Monday. So I, I told the whole okay. story. But anyway, so the crowd was great for the Monsters game. It was a fun time. They, do, they put on a good show. The team's good. They're one of the best teams in the AHL. Uh, but there was a woman sitting, so I was... I was sitting in the, you know, ice level, about 10 rows back. Mm -hmm. And there's a woman, there was this couple sitting behind me. And every time the monster scored a goal, she did like, you know, uh, the wrestler, the former wrestler, Nature Boy Ric Flair. Mm -hmm. He goes like, woo, yeah. that thing. Did you mm -hmm. ask so, if we know who Ric Flair was? I don't know. And if you, if you didn't know wrestling, That's I don't right. know that. I of mean, you're young, do. Mike. Ric Flair's like an anyway, this international woman icon. Of course, would do that noise Woo! for like 20 seconds, <laughs> and I I had to hold my ears. <laughs> Eventually, I just moved seats because I was like, <laughs> the woman said, "I don't want to tell her stop doing it. Yeah. She's having fun, yeah. you know." But it was so annoying. <laughs> At first, I was like, "Okay, how many goals can they score?" Well, they scored nine Not, freaking goals. It's 180 seconds. So eventually, move. I had to move with them. See, I couldn't take it. She My have, ears were literally hurting from it. Did she have all her faculties about about her? Like, was she at a Monsters game? You definitely meet some weird characters. Yeah, strange a little. It's uh, a good time was, though. And yeah. we make nicknames. My, I, like, there was a guy sitting near me. My, so I said, "Hey, look at the disgusting boy over there." <laughs> that, it is a, nothing better than than, than crowd yeah. watching. There was a people guy, watching, yeah, great people, watching. who looked like now in defense, he was a young guy, probably in his twenties. In his defense. He had a um, a soft cast on his foot, so I don't know if he had any crutches. But he looked like he hadn't showered in weeks. Now, mm. even if you have a like, I had my foot in a cast for two weeks when I tore my Achilles, and so I couldn't get, I couldn't go in the shower. Yeah. But I would wash myself, and I'd wash my hair in the sink, or my wife would help me, whatever. I'm not going two weeks without taking a shower. This guy looked like he'd gone weeks without taking a shower. He looked like he'd thrown up on his hockey jersey. Ew. It was gross. Yeah, I don't like you, that. You do know there are celebrities who who don't believe in like showering more than once a week. Yeah, those people are. Yeah, I think uh, I think Gwyneth Paltrow said that. Isn't uh, what's and, her name? Angelina uh, Jolie said it's not. It's yeah, overrated. Yeah, I thought it was the, that that married couple from. Um, oh my God, she's gorgeous. She's from Russia originally. She's moved here when she was a kid. 
If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Uh, from the 70s show. What's her name? Uh, I'm bad with actresses. Band moms. Band moms. I, I know who you're talking about. I have no idea. Can't name. her name. She's married to somebody else famous. He was on the 70s yep. show too. Uh, Mila, Kunis. Mila Kunis yeah, yeah, yeah. and her husband, yes. Oh, Ashley Kutcher, yeah. All, all that. Ashley Kutcher. I don't like him. He rubs me the wrong way. I don't know why she married him. He seems like a real loser. Why did Mila Kunis marry Ashley Kutcher? Why? Because um, you were off the market already. She's, she's a higher quality than him. He's um, a lousy actor. Why um, does this guy get work? Listen, Ashley Kutcher. Yeah. He, he he's is, a good-looking dude. He's I, the inventor of trucker hats. Yeah. Um, he, right he also is a stunt double for Kyle Corver. Um, <laughs> and on top of that, like the 70s show, like he and he had punked. And he yeah. punked yeah. everybody. So one that, of the guys from the 70s shows in jail now. He like yeah. did all yeah. kinds of messed up bad, stuff. Bad stuff. But Mila Kunis is, is the best. She's a great actress and she's smoking hot. He's a good looking dude. I'll give him that. But he's a shitty actor. She's, I mean, let, let's all be honest. And that will play to our overtime topic, our favorite movie of all time. But uh, let's get to our first topic of the day, Earl. What do we got? All right, fellas, before we get to the first topic of the day, of course, it is Super Bowl week and happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks and placing some super bets. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a dub, two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel will allow you to bet on who will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers, if you join today, you'll get $200 in bonus bets. All that needs to happen is your first $5 bet or more needs to win. Just visit FanDuel.com slash UCSS to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash UCSS. I'm giving Earl a B-plus for that read. Yeah. And it's, it was pretty. It was a pretty good read. He doesn't have the experience doing them that you do. Two hundred bucks, you said. Pretty good, but but I, I could see. I, I there's room to grow there, Earl. Yeah, for sure, man. The B plus, I got to get that up to an A. Two yeah. hundred bucks for, for, for. He's got three more tries today, so by the end of the yeah, show, we'll have uh, an A plus. I think I'm gonna sign my wife up for a profile without her knowing. <laughs> I tried to sign my daughter up, but that's a whole other story. Ask for, <laughs> do they ask for the social or anything? <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, so. all you need is email. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm rolling. You're in calves. Put a little cash in on the cash, ba- hey babe. You didn't unlock my account. I've been asking for three weeks. That's right. Now I got a new account. You didn't even know it. <laughs> Speaking of the cash, man, they played the uh, Washington Wizards tonight in Washington. But uh, boy, Jared Allen got robbed twice. All to, uh, like a couple guys got hurt. Yeah. Replacements was named, and he was not one of them. That's true. Uh, you know, we talked last week, guys, about should Jared Allen be on the All Star game, and you you were on top of it, Mike, and you said. He's playing at an all-star level, but he's not going to get in. Mm -hmm. But we all thought there was a chance he'd get in eventually with injury replacements. I mean, it's not quite the NFL where half the guys don't show up. But still, (coughs) there were two replacements, including a center, because Joel Embiid. Do we know if Joel Embiid is out for the year? Has that been? He's going to be reevaluated in eight weeks, so not necessarily for the season, but he's a big dude for a while. Yeah, but they did not take a center when they took two new guys. No, 
I, so I didn't think Allen was snubbed the first time around because right. to snub someone means someone less deserving right. made it over. You. So I, I didn't case. think it was a snub. I do think the injury replacements, though, Jared Allen got snubbed. And I have no issue with Trey Young, but I do have an issue with Scotty Barnes. How? There are three players in the league right now, today, averaging 15 points per game, 10 rebounds per game, shooting 60% from the floor. Giannis, Sabonis, and Jared Allen. And when you look at the pure numbers without right. context, sure, Scotty Barnes scores more points, fewer rebounds. He's a better three-point shooter defensively. They're both quite good. But what Allen does is contributing to winning. Scotty Barnes is on a team that is five games out of the 10th seed in the Eastern Conference. That is weird. When is they a had, coach's decision? It is a coach's decision. Yeah. And here, here's why they've decided on Scotty Barnes. It's an all-star game. It's an exhibition for fans. Scotty Barnes is a more exciting player to watch out in the open court than Jared Allen. However, that's yeah. not what you should pick and should base your all-star replacements on. Yeah. And Jared Allen, once again, he's the second most valuable player on the Cavs right. in the last six weeks. After, Don, and after Darius are- and Evan Mobley went down, Jared Allen has stepped his game up. Yeah. On the flip side, Toronto traded Pascal Siakam to Indiana midway through January. Before he had, was traded, Barnes was their number two option. He was averaging about 22 points a game. Since he's become the number one option, that's dropped down to 18 and a half. So when you look at... So he's not rising. He's not rising to the occasion like Jared Allen has. And once again, one team has has 32 wins, the Cavs. One team has 17 wins, the Raptors. There has to be some sort of context. Anyone can put up good numbers on a bad team. Allen's doing it, and everything he does contributes to winning. Barnes is putting up good numbers, but they're 17 and 33 completely out of the playoff picture. I do think Allen was more deserving than Scotty Barnes. Go ahead, G. Uh, No, I can't go. I I love the way Jared Allen has been playing. But look, man, this is all-star games are like beauty pageants, man. Like, they're not, they're going to go, yeah, you, you got nice answers for Miss Congeniality. You give a nice, but at the end of the day, it's all about the swimsuit round. You, you Like, let's not be, let's just be clear about that, right? And so when you look at the numbers, Barnes averages more points. He almost averaged, he's, he's basically averaging 28 and 6 and a, a block and a half, right? So Jared Allen's best asset is playing defense. He only get 1.1 blocks. If you just look at those stats on face value, Barnes wins. Second of all, Barnes plays in a very large metropolitan city, Toronto. They're like, oh, we want people to watch. Are we going to give something? We're going to give this last spot to, oh, the Jared Allen who gets rebounds and is a guy who's a scrap guy. He's a good scrap guy. I love him. We all need our, our, our uh, you know, our garbage picked up. We love our garbage guys, man. We maybe <laughs> Pete gets paid well, mm. but he, Scotty Barnes is a higher pick. He has more, he has more, uh, uh, what I would say, splash availability. And in an all-star game, they just want somebody to run up and down the court and dunk and do They cool don't play things. any defense. They don't play yeah. no defense. He just looks better if you got Barnes over Allen. I see why. It's funny. I feel like you both made convincing arguments. You know, I was with you and then kind of G talked me into Scotty Barnes there. Now, I will say, I don't know if the, Toronto is a big market, but because it's not America, I don't know that it matters as much that it's a big market. And it's not like Toronto's a popular team. No. You know, it's not like it's, it's not New York, Chicago, and L.A. We are the North, as they're, they're saying. Yeah. I mean, I, where is this, the, the All-Star game? I don't even know. Indiana. It's, oh. It's the pace. So, I mean, I, I listen, Scotty Barnes is probably a better player than Jared Allen, right? Yes. Jared Allen, if this was about an M, who's more valuable, or, it's Jared Allen. Or yeah. All-NBA. Like, if it's All-NBA, yeah. I expect you to be in a nitty-gritty plus minuses and all that other right, stuff. Right, right. If it's just All-Star, I'm like, oh, okay. But, like, when you look at their just points per game, like, Scotty yeah. Barnes is taking 16 shots per game and scoring 
21 points. Jared Allen's taking nine and a half shots a game. Yeah, he's, he's much 16. more efficient. So he's way more efficient. If there, he was taking yes. six more shots at his current efficiency, yeah. in theory, he'd be averaging more points. Than They're two wonder, completely different players. Jalen Brunson got hurt last night. Yeah. I, don't know if you, I know you hadn't seen it. I didn't see it. I, I was stunned that I broke news to you about the NBA. So Jalen Brunson got hurt last night. Who were they playing the Knicks? I can't remember. I think it was a bad team. I'm looking it up right now. Tell me who they were playing. Because they were the Knicks were up like 20-something points in the fourth quarter. And then whoever they were playing made a big comeback. And Thibodeau brought his starters back in. Memphis. So they're playing Memphis. And the initial reports on Brunson, he avoided major injury. Okay, but the also that, that, that does, right that does the not mean right? he will not necessarily – yeah, it's next weekend. Right, so, so he, he, he might not be able to play. Yeah. yeah. So – but they had to bring the starters back in because Memphis came back and then almost immediately Brunson got – sometimes you shut it down, yeah. right? Yeah. And then you and come back. it's hard to ramp it back up. Right, and yeah. Brunson got hurt. Now, he hopefully he's all right, but uh, he might not be able to play in the All-Star game. You wonder if Jared Allen's next man up. Who is the argument? Like, if they add one more guy, who else is there? I – top my head. I don't know. I mean, maybe they have to get a guard because you, you lose a guard, get a guard. I'm not yeah. sure if they had to do it like that. I, I, don't, I don't know. I have, yeah. have to look more into it. One other thing I want to talk about, because I haven't been here the last couple of days, and and I just just Cavs in general, um, I was, I, I still, there's still, mo- so for the whole season I've been saying, who cares about the regular season, who cares about the regular season? And in reality, that's true. It really is true. Yeah. But that's boring also. So I'm <laughs> going to stop saying that, because I'm conning myself right now. I'll say conning, but because I want to into saying that what the Cavs are doing now is meaningful. Because they, right now, they are, you know, I'm awesome. watching regularly again. Awesome. They're really fun to watch. They seem like a much better team than last year. And I think what really stands out about the Cavs, I don't know if you guys have talked about this the last two days. You probably have. I apologize. I didn't get a chance to listen to watch too much. The fact that they have the best winning percentage on the road. Yeah. Did you guys talk about that at all? Not... We talked in round. Remember about how bad they were, they were on the road, last, on the road year? last year? They, they couldn't beat nobody on the last road. Last year on the road, they were the probably the worst team in the league of the contending teams. This year, it's close. There's a couple of teams right near them. They're fourteen. But I eight. think they have the best winning percentage of any team at home. They're fourteen uh, on the road, fourteen and eight. That to me is a sign that this team is better than last year. Beyond the fact that they just they're deeper and have more good players. If they continue to hit shots like that, it's like they did against the Kings. Bingo. Y'all in trouble because I mean, you you look at Struess, he went off. He had a, a couple. He had five, six threes. Donovan Mitchell hits two threes, two to three threes regularly. We're not even talking about what Sam Merrill's doing. Yeah. Evan Mobley hit three threes the other day. If they could continue to shoot the ball like this, you they look the most comfortable I've seen in a long time. They also look like they got their roles down. It's, it's looking like right now we said that Evan Mobley and Jared Allen can't play together. It's looking like they're getting better at doing that. Um, you look at how they're playing. Darius Garland played better. Um, and, and the thing about Darius Garland is, look at his shot attempts, only seven. If you would have looked at that last year or the year before, those shot attempts would be 19, 20 times a game. And they might have games like that still, but yeah. you don't want to do that every night. Right. So it looks yeah. – they just, they just look good. Last year it felt like if, if Mitchell – and Garland didn't play, they had no didn't chance. score, they had no chance to win. And because they have all these other guys that can score and can shoot from outside, it feels like, as you said last week, there are different ways that they can win now. Yeah, they're more versatile. I think 
there's a legitimate case to made the Cavs are the deepest team in the NBA. I haven't yeah. sorted through every roster off the top of my head. The Clippers are deep. The Celtics are deep. But if you include Tristan Thompson when he comes back from suspension and Craig Porter Jr., they legitimately can go 12 deep of guys who you feel relatively comfortable right. on the court at any given point of the game. Yeah. You're getting contributions off the bench, not the starters. Levert, Niang, Wade, Okoro, Merrill, right. Porter Jr. when he plays. And then you bring Tristan Thompson back. What they lacked last season was depth. Yeah. They had no shooting and no depth. So if it wasn't Mitchell or Garland going superhero, it was, we might struggle to score 105 points. Right. If they don't have 105 points by the end of the third quarter now, yeah. and that's a little bit of exaggeration, yeah. you're looking around like, what the hell's happened? And plus there's guys getting better. Like, yeah. Like, why, if you watch Evan Mobley's game, I said, oh, when did you start taking the ball from 17 feet finishing with the left hand? When was that part of the game plan? I saw him do it two or three times against Sabonis and guys, Trey Lyles last game. Also, Sam Merrill, he, they're now running sets for Sam. We notice Sam is coming off screens, multiple ones. Handoff, dribble down, handoff, he's coming off screens. Karis Levert is coming into the game and being, being productive and shooting. But the guy that I think is taking the biggest step is Ike Zucoro. Isaac Okoro was now ready to shoot. When they send it to him, he's ready to fire it up. And if he misses, he's ready to shoot the next Let me ask you this, Bull, because we did this on the Ultimate Cavs show last night. If you missed it, go check it out. The link's on our YouTube page. I asked Jason, who's been the most surprising player in your mind on the Cavs? So kind of like we did with the Browns from where the season started to now. I went with with Okoro for the exact reason. He was almost unplayable last year. You couldn't get anything for him. Now he's a guy I think has to be in your crunch time five. Uh, Jason went with Sam Merrill. Who would you answer as that? As the I most surprising actually, guy. I, I, and, both, the, and there's also two other options. I they're think both great choices. Case. I would actually say Jared Allen. because He's another guy. I, I, just, as I thought he had reached his peak as a player. Mm-hmm. I, whereas Mobley, you're like, okay, there's room to grow, room to grow. I thought, this is what Jared Allen is. He's a good player. He's fine. But that's what he is. There's no further room to grow. And he showed this year there is. That there was yeah. another level to his game. And I didn't think that existed. And especially after the way his season ended last year in such embarrassing fashion. And again, these guys all got to show it in the playoffs. Yeah. But for him to play the way he did and basically, like he, like he was the fourth guy on this team. Last year, yeah. But when they were got, now they're continuing to play great with the other guys back. But when they got this run going of we're a different team, he was their number two guy. Mm-hmm. And he thrived. And 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 t- and said, "Hey, I got to do a lot," and he did. I don't know what. But J- he's not selfish in any way. No. I don't know what JB did. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he went and asked his dad. I don't know if he just stopped caring. Yeah. But um, he he's literally growing as a coach in front of your eyes. Now, guess what? You got to see it in the playoffs because yeah. it's levels between regular season coaches, playoff coaches. But I I I, th- I think. He's he less he's a lot more freer, a lot more open. Yeah. He's he's intentional at the guys he has in the game. And if you notice, they play they try to play a style based on who's on the floor. Um, they don't just have guys running around doing all kind of other different type stuff. They look like they got a plan and they're moving and moving and doing different things. So yeah. you gotta give him credit too. Have we ever seen like it felt like JB would, at early in the season was one was always one loss away from getting fired. Yes. And now he's got to be in the coach of the year conversation, no? The, yeah, it's 100% accurate. Yeah. There's four guys, in my opinion, who are in the coach of the year yeah. conversation who all have legitimate cases. He's, Minnesota's coach? Yeah, Finch, Dagnall in Oklahoma City, yeah. Ty Lue in L.A., and then yeah. J.B. here in Cleveland. 
right. are the four guys who all have a legitimate case. We don't have to dive necessarily deep into that today. But Thibodeau, one, no, even Thibodeau. I think Thibodeau is the tier under yeah, that. Right. But they had higher expectations coming in. True. Uh, but Thibodeau is also yeah, another yeah. candidate. To G's point about Bickerstaff and to the question I asked, what's the most surprising? Yeah. My secondary answer, it's a bit of a cheat, was J.B. Bickerstaff. Because, A, last season after the playoffs, everyone's yeah. like, do you have to make a coaching change? Is this the right guy? Do the players like him? Are they buying in? You hear all these rumors of yeah. players being unhappy. The way he coaches didn't necessarily mesh with veteran guys. Okay, let's be patient. Let's see. It's one playoff series. Yeah. The roster was severely limited last season. Coming to this season, 13-12, and 12, they're in ninth place. They lose their starters. This thing was on the cliff. Yeah, oh yeah. This very easily could have teetered. Yeah, and it could have teetered to rock bottom. And instead, he opened up the offensive playbook. I forget. I think it's Justin Rowan. If it wasn't you, Justin, if it was someone else, I apologize for uh, attributing this this wrongly. They looked through the three-point attempts by each Cavs team. Each year, JB's been the coach. Before this season, it's never been over 33. It's at 41.3 right now. He's open and adapted his offensive philosophy to fit the roster and the guys he has currently right. on the roster. He's allowed Donovan Mitchell to take over the playmaking role. Because there was a thing at time in the past where, no Darius, well, we have to have Ty Jerome in there. We have to have CPJ. We have to have no. someone else. They're so much better with him. We're just going to let Donovan do it. Yeah. And he has been so flexible. And it's kind of similar to Stefanski. You know, you lose Watson, you have to adapt. Well, he lost two of his key guys. He adapted. They're flourishing. And now the coaching job he's doing is – we got to work those guys back into the system. Right. And so far, the early returns have been phenomenal. And there's still going to be growing pains. Yeah. And they got he's looking for a balance between what they did last year and what they were doing earlier because you can't be exactly the same as what you were doing earlier with these guys. But you want to be somewhat close to it. And, gee, you complained a lot, deservedly so, that last year the Cavs, and early, early this season, the Cavs really didn't run an offense. Right. They are doing, they're right. running an and offense. And now they've gone from, like, they have no offensive plan to they have this intricate offensive plan that changes. <sighs> and that that's, it's much more fun to watch. You know, for all the three-pointers, I love, one of the things I loved about basketball as a kid, one of the things that really attracted me to basketball, where I liked it most as a kid, was seeing the ball move mm. and seeing players move without the ball. The standing around dribble, dribble, dribble is boring. Yeah. yeah. And so the style of basketball that the Cavs are playing is fun. It's really fun. And, and, and you know another reason that it's actually fun is I got to give him a lot of credit, man. Uh, I got to give Donovan Mitchell a lot of credit yeah. because he's very talented. Um, he, he can shoot the ball. He can get to the rim. All those physical things are great. But the thing that really, you know, just stands out to me is how often do you see your best player play that hard? I mean, he plays hard every night. He's, look, the, he's the exception. Look, yeah. Right, yeah. Look, look, look at his face when, it, when, when the Cavs get down by two or three, or he misses a couple jumpers, and he's like, come on, let's go. He hit one, he finally got one. The dude plays so <coughs> hard, and I think that is so infectious because when you see him playing hard, it make your best player playing hard. It you have no excuse. It's, He's not taking no no yeah. crap. He gives uh, leadership and, and toughness and tenacity. And I'm gonna just say it, man. It I, I think JB finally got him to buy in. He said, "Listen, I don't know where you're going after this year or two years ago, but don't let what, what you're gonna do two years ago waste your time today when you could do something special." And I think he really got him to buy in. And I think Donovan became the leader, he said, you know what, we we might be able to do this. When Karis Levert says he looks yeah. at the line, he looks at the standings every night, I said, 
they, they yeah. believe. And the Cavs, by the way, the Bucks lost last night, late, uh, I think on the West Coast last night. They lost, so the Cavs mm-hmm. are the two seed. Yep. Now, I don't know that we need to celebrate that because uh, it's a long way to go. That's crazy. But it's still an accomplishment. Yeah. And the fact that Embiid is going to miss at least the rest of the regular season. The Knicks. I think they're out for a top four seed, Philadelphia yeah. most likely. Because they, unlike the Cavs, without Embiid, they've been crap. Yeah, well, it's, it, you know, on the one hand, it's yeah. a great thing for the Cavs to potentially get a 2-3, which helps you avoid Boston right. in the mm-hmm. second round. On the other hand, if Embiid comes back, Cavs get the three seed. Philly could be the six seed. Then you got to face and beat in the first round, which well, is true. pick your poison. But I would yeah, rather avoid Boston hey, no matter what at the, the end of the Cavs day. The Cavs can legitimately end up as a two or three seed. I, and that, that's the best case There's scenario. no doubt yeah. about it. Obviously, the Knicks are really good also, but they're dealing with injuries. You know, they said the Brunson injury wasn't that serious, but they don't know he, he for He could miss a week and a half. Yeah. Randall's been banged up. He's Obviously, out for another two weeks. Yeah. So Mitchell Robinson's out. Like, right. They're so dealing they're dealing. The Cavs are getting healthy. Yep. And every other – now, there's still a lot of time. You've got two months till the playoffs start. But hopefully the Cavs will stay healthy. Here. I do think, and obviously the goal is to get the one seed, but yeah. getting the two seed would be monumental oh, for, yeah. for Cleveland. Then they you get to play. How far by Boston are they? Like four games? Five, I think five. Yeah, Did Boston win or lose last night? I'm not last sure. Last time it was five. I'd say. I think it's yeah, five last time yeah, I they're said. They're not going to catch Boston. If they can but... get the two seed and end oh up playing God. one of the play-in teams, and, and theoretically speaking, that should avoid Philly. And then you right. avoid Boston in the, until the second round, right? Or until the conference finals. And then you'd have home. In and you have theory, home, you'd have home, home court, court for two court rounds. Milwaukee in the so second that, yeah, round. That and we thought about regular season games mattering, not mattering. And boy, I, I do agree in your big picture point. Yeah. That the regular season's just tune up to get you ready for the postseason. Yeah. But I do think there's a legitimate difference in the Cavs' chances to make a deep run in the postseason, being the two three, two seed having multiple rounds. Yeah. At home at Rocket Mortgage Field, sure. which is as good a basketball environment as yeah. there is in the NBA. As opposed to having to climb through the four or five round, no doubt, we, something we, else. We like, like these games do matter, and maybe not in the big picture as individually, but right. these games do matter. They matter seating, for that, especially makes for a, a team. They matter more for a team like the Cavs that has no playoff yes. credibility at this point. Yes, Bull said it. You know, look at the win loss record on the road. You look at the fact that they won a bunch of these games and they clawed themselves from the six seed up to the two seed, while Mobley and Garland were hurt. The nine seed. Don't yeah. sell them short. Nine seed to was, the two seed. At one point, yeah. It, at one point, we was like, yeah, you about to be up out of here. But I will say this. It's a different team. Like, if you watching, if you don't, if you still mad about, you you mad, mad about what's going on out there um, that happened last year, guess what? It's a different team now. Like, you might want to get on board because I think they're going to be doing something. Earl, what you got, man? You know, I see a lot of parallels between the Cleveland Cavaliers and the, and the Cleveland Browns. Boy, you pointed this out that, the last year's Cleveland Browns team you thought was top heavy. They didn't have the depth necessary to make a a legit run. And if you look at the Cleveland Cavaliers last year, it was the same thing. We lacked shooting. We didn't have depth. If Darius Garland or Donovan Mitchell wasn't on, then we wasn't really doing much. And so I got to give kudos to J.B. Bickerstaff as well because I was one of the people who wanted him fired. You know, you was forced into a new style of play based off injury. But when you got your guys healthy, instead of going back to what you knew, you stuck with what's going well, and you're trying to integrate those guys that was hurt back into the system now. We know J.B. Bickerstaff is an old-school coach. He likes to play a lot of bigs. He likes guys to play defense. And in today's NBA, you can't necessarily always play that way. So kudos, kudos to him for not being stubborn. Like, you seen what was going on, and you made the necessary adjustment to get this team where they are now. So if he he de- he damn sure is a, a head coach of the year candidate. And he went from a man that might be fired to a dude that's looking at an extension. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so 
when Milwaukee came to Cleveland two or three weeks ago, before Mobley and Garland came back, when the Cavs beat them on national TV, remember that game they won by like 40? Mm-hmm. Giannis didn't play. Yep. Jason and I were at the game when we were talking to JB post-game at the, the post-game presser, and, and Jason asked him, Darius is supposed to come back next week. Evan's coming back on Monday. Are you going to integrate them into what you're doing now, or are you going to kind of go back to where you were before? And JB looked at Jason, and, I, and Jason wrote about this. This isn't like yeah. groundbreaking, but he looked and he goes, what's working now is working. Yeah, right. Like, we're not going to isolate those guys and not bring them right. back in. It's but, not exactly the same, but it's closer but to what they They have doing. to fit into kind of what we're doing now yeah, right. as opposed to going back because this is the best version of Cleveland Cavaliers basketball no this season. And through – Mobley's played, what, five games now? Garland's played four? Mm-hmm. I think that the 4-0, 5-0, whatever it is, yep. the last loss was still Milwaukee. You see Mobley at three threes in the game. He's yep. binding. Garland's still getting his legs under him. He's still trying to figure out I'm, – I'm confident that'll come through, but – JB has not reverted to right, the which is great, baseline, which is what we all wanted. And they're trying to find that middle ground, which is right. exactly what I think he should have done. And yeah. it's going to continue, at least theoretically speaking, continue to get better right. as these guys play more and more and more together. And expectations have now changed, right? Like, I feel like last year, if they had beaten the Knicks, who did the Knicks lose to in the next round? I can't remember. The Knicks lost to Miami in the next round. Okay. I feel like last year, if they had beaten the Knicks and then lost to Miami, we would have all been okay Happy, with that. Happy. Thrilled. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm like... I want to see the Cavs win two rounds. I'm going to be disappointed if they don't win two rounds. Now, maybe that's unfair. I don't know. Well, we'll see how they're playing later in the season. Sure, but, but like, right, now, right now the expectations yeah. are through the roof. I'm, I just had a thought. I was like, could this be the best Cavs team? My, you know, not, not including uh, best non-LeBron Cavs team ever? Could it end up being? Better than those Mark Price, Darty. Well, those teams never made a run in the playoffs, yeah. really. So if this team does, it's possible. They got to, the shooting is 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 crazy. The shooting is a thing. If they can continue to shoot like that, everything is an open open game because you got Bingo. a closer. You got you got guys that can be bigs that are erasers. They got guys that are defensive specialists like a Coro. Yeah. You have everything you need. You, have, you got the six man guy coming off the bench of Karis Levert. You got everything that you need. That if you had to go into a series, you would say it's just going to come down to them missing or making. Right. And I'll take that. And th- last thing to yeah. G's point. Yeah. If they make shots like this, they can win the title. If they shoot like they did against. Sacramento on Monday, yeah. 56% from three, which is unrealistic to think yeah. that will continue game in, game out. But over the last two weeks, last eight games, this is just off the bench. Dean Wade shooting 51% from three over his last eight games. Akuro yeah. shooting 47%. Sam Merrill shooting 46%. You get contributions off the bench like that, yeah. on top of what Donovan Mitchell's given you, on top of what Jared Allen's given you, what you're getting from DG, Mobley, Struess, sky's well, the limit. And the uh, Coral one really stands out. We're going to get to more of that in a second. First, Earl's got to read for us. Go ahead, Earl. All right, let's try this again. <laughs> Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So if you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snack, and placing some super bets. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a dub, two or even three. Not only that, but you can bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for who will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers, if you join today, you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com UCSS to sign up. That's FanDuel.com UCSS. Gotta give him an A on that's that. That's good. That's a good. That was an A effort. Very good. That was an A effort. No screw ups. Good energy. 
Good flow. Nailed it. Didn't sound like reading. Well In the done, words bro. of Lil Wayne, repetition is the father of learning. <laughs> He's not wrong. That's right. He's got two more tries to get an A double plus now. That's right. So, Isaac Okoro, what stands out, I didn't realize his, his shooting percentage from three was that high recently. Yeah. Because Isaac Okoro, you know, not including the big guys, is their most important defensive player, they don't even need him to shoot that high. That, right? Like, they just need him to be confident, to be willing to shoot, and to shoot a decent percentage. If he shoots anywhere close to what he's shooting lately. But well, shooting 40% for the year. Which is, obs- which is like, what was amazing. his career shooting percentage for this year? So I compared it to last year. He shot yeah. like 36 last year, but yeah. last season the attempts were down. So it was right. 36 on like one and a half, two attempts per game. This year is 39. 39 and- on like three and a half attempts per All game. All right. If he shoots 39%, he is dangerous. Yes. So the, Earl was asking the question, would you be willing to listen to Isaac Okor on the trade? Now, the easy answer is no. Me personally, if I'm a GM, I'm willing to listen to anybody. Yeah. But as crazy as this seems, Isaac Okoro has gone from someone who had no trade value to someone that it, it would take an extraordinary offer for me to be willing to trade him. And, and guys like, you know, who, who are you looking to get? What, Dorian Finney-Smith or something? Uh, I mean, that's not, that's not a move. I'm, I'll take, I keep a core over him. Like there's, there's not that many. Now, listen, I, we, I've been, you know, always in the lab with a pen and a pad. You know what the rest is. Um, PJ Washington, though. PJ Washington is another, <laughs> that's another story. That's the, that's to me, the highest you going to get on the food chain. It looks like the Charlotte Hornets, they may look to have a fire sale. They've already traded Scary Terry Rozier. He's out of there. You got P.J. Washington, who's a guy who has length. He can shoot the ball, physical, um, would fit in beautifully with this. But there's 0% chance P.J. Washington will be a Cleveland Cavalier because of his money. Sorry to, sorry to ruin your dreams. His, what, how much he make him? A three-year, $47 million deal. So roughly how much is that? $16 million a year. $16 million a year. A coral, a coral makes eight, so, and they're not going to the tax. How much does Dean Wade make? They, they're definitely not going to the tax? Jason, Jason sat here, yeah. There's $3 million under the luxury tax. Okay. Once you go into the luxury tax, it doesn't matter if you're $1 in the well, luxury tax. Well, is there tax. another player they could trade with Okoro in theory? If you want to. Let me ask you this. Listen, uh, before everybody starts saying, not trading Okoro, listen, you always have to be willing to listen to anything. And if, if, the, if they as an organization feel Isaac Okoro is too important to the team, then I wouldn't trade him. Yeah, I'm not looking at it. But if you were going to trade him, would P.J. Washington, do you agree with G that that would be a guy worth trading him for? Then no, I'm not well, doing wa- it. If, I, if you're hesitating, Washington's bigger, so it gives you a little more. Yeah. So, but I, in my opinion, and the two things with the Okoro thing, and yeah. G, I think you're on the right page. Mm-hmm. I just The money thing at the end of the day is what kind of wash this all out. Well, is, don't they have another player making $8 million that would, How much does Dean Wayne make? He like five. Be, so that's five. So he's, There's three that, that you don't want to go over. So say 2.9, and then how much does Okoro make? Eight, eight and a half. So that gets you to roughly what? Twelve. That's 12 right there. So eight and a half. You still need, you throw. It, it, so the thing with Okoro, at the end of the yeah, day, yeah. any trade the Cavs make before tomorrow's deadline, yeah. in my opinion, has to be for a definitive upgrade. A legitimate definitive yes. upgrade if you're not sure, to then, someone in their yeah. top eight. Yes. P.J. Washington's a fine player. He's not a great outside shooter, but he is bigger than Akuro. I yeah. think Akuro's a better on-ball defender for wings. And the size, yeah, I mean, Jason Tatum's a tough matchup, and Giannis and all these giant wings that Boston has. Yeah. And 
there's some other guys sprinkled throughout the league that, uh, you know, OG Ananobi's another guy mm -hmm. on New York. But Akuro's versatility on defense can't be understated. Mm -hmm. I go back to two weeks ago. He was the primary defender on Dame Lillard, and the very next game was the primary defender on Paolo Bancaro. We're talking point guard, yeah, all-star. We're talking center, all-star. Yeah. The Cavs have five guys on the court. Nope, Isaac, you got both. That's you. He did a good job so, of guarding. And, and he did a great job guarding both. Yeah, against the Clippers. Yeah. He was guarding Kawhi. He was guarding Paul George. He guarded Terrence Mann. He guarded James. All over the court. So the only way you'd consider trading him is if it's like, this guy's too good. I, can't, so, I, have, to, I have to get him. So in, in a world. And the is question there a player? Was, that works? No. And we talked about this. Well, give me a player. Even if, so, Forget the money for now. I, I keep going back to Cam Johnson on the Nets. Yeah. He's a 6'8". He's not a good defender as a curl, significantly better offensive player, and a very solid, consistent three-point shooter. Right. And a guy who's going to make shots that aren't Donovan Mitchell drives, draws two defenders, kicks to the corner, or Kuro's shooting a wide-open three. As good of a shooter as a Kuro's become this season, he's not coming off screens, catching, and shooting. He's getting okay. open, standstill shots. Cam Johnson's the guy you can run plays for. Yeah. He's making $25 million, $25 million a year in Brooklyn. Okay. The money just doesn't work. The, How they, much they does Karis LeVert make? 15, 16-ish. So, I mean, if you trade it in theory. But those, I just don't know if that's I, not worth it. I don't know if it's upgrade. I don't know. Hey, listen, then, then don't mess with so, it. So, my bottom line is, yeah. would I be willing to trade a Kuro if the return a was... deal? Yes. Because he's also in but the last of his deal. But I'm not just throwing him in a deal no. for salary to get someone who's not a definitive upgrade. Do, no. do you, how do you feel about DeAndre Hunter? So, we talked about him uh, yesterday. DeAndre Hunter is too injury-prone, in my opinion, to be 100% counted on in the playoffs. Fair. And even though he's a better shooter, I just don't know if he's that much better. And, 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 and last year, yeah. I was like, a curl can't play. And that's why he was my most surprised right. guy to bring this back. He went from a guy I wasn't sure could play to a guy that I'm not sure I'm putting in as a how definitive old? upgrade over some guys who are really good NBA players. How old is Okoro, by the way? 22 years old. Maybe he's just found something this year. Maybe. He's a young guy. It might be 22 confidence. years old. So, a lot of this, you know this, Mike, is confidence. Yeah. And what if he's now just a 39% shooter? It's, well, that's it, a whole different ballgame. He's the perfect 3 and D guy. I, I would be very hesitant to trade him unless I was getting such a good player that I was like, I, I can't yeah. not do this. And it doesn't sound like that's realistic. I just and like and then there's no point in them doing something on the margins, is there? Like no. Is there is there a is there a, a, a third center they should get just in case of emergency? So here here were the like here are the five realistic targets I threw out yesterday. Yeah. Like the Cavs, if they wanted to make some sort of these are the five. Yeah. Royce O'Neal of the Nets. Right. Three and D wing. Yeah. Not an upgrade over Okuro, but another guy. Uh Sandro Aldama. Of the Excuse Memphis me. Grizzlies, a seven-footer who shoots threes. Yeah. Santo Filipcinio from Utah, a shooter from the way I can't pronounce it, Italian okay. guy. Sadiq Bey of Atlanta. Yeah. And Corey Kispert of Washington. So these are guys None of these would, guys were cracking the top but eight. But these guys are guys who would only play if guys get hurt. Exactly. So nothing. So it's not a bad idea to get a guy like that. If you, if you could flip. As long as you're not trading anybody. If you could flip Ty Jerome, Damian James, and two second-round picks for one of those guys, I'm, all for, I'm all for it. Why not be as deep as possible? Yeah, I'm, I'm all and for that. And you could play those guys a little bit at the, the end of the regular season. season and, and if you need them, you need them. But the last thing on the yeah. Levert kind of package, you know, if you're going to get a guy like, like we'll use uh, Cam Johnson just as an as a example. He has four-year, $100 million contract. If the Nets are going to take stuff back, they're going to want contracts shorter than that. So that wouldn't work. But with, like, Charlotte and P.J. Washington, why would Charlotte necessarily want 
longer contracts. Right, if they're going like, to hit like, a reset. It, like, once again, the money may work, but, like, does, yeah. would, would Charlotte do this? So it's because just, Charlotte, right. Charlotte is kind of Yeah, they're, they're rebuilding. Like, it's it, – They'd be rebuilding every And, and to years. Jason's point, last thing with the tax, if you're $1 over the tax or $19.5 million over the tax, it's the same luxury tax penalty. So if you're going to go over, go over. Like, yeah. going over for a million dollars on the margins to make a P.J. Washington work or uh, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith or something like mm-hmm. that. I'm just not sure – is worth the exuberant luxury tax and get that clock running. Yeah. All right. So probably not. A curl is going to be a Cav come Friday. I can promise you that. That's good. The deadline is next Thursday, like next two days tomorrow. Oh, it's, oh, it's, wow. yeah, it's tomorrow. next week. Oh no, my God. Tomorrow. I'm surprised there haven't been any trades yet. Really? It's the quietest deadline. No. Usually a lot happens though. The day of the deadline. The reason it's quiet, this draft sucks. So no one wants first round picks. No, for real. This draft is like the, – they're saying it's the worst draft since the uh, Andrea Bargnani draft a few years ago. And people don't know if they can. Is it worse than the Anthony Bennett draft? The Anthony Bennett draft wasn't that bad going into it, though. This one, there's like there's, – there's no consensus on a first overall pick. Isaiah Collier, Bronny James' teammate right now at USC, I had heard – this is just something I heard. He got hurt. He may sit the rest of the season so he doesn't have to play because his stock was already dropping. So he just may be like, I'm hurt. Y'all know what I had from high school. Yeah, you, you see what there, There's no saying. consensus first pick. Cooper Flag though, in two years, Yeah, that's the dude you want to tank for. He's the next great player, big guy. I heard he ain't no good. No, nah, he's filthy. I, I, he's I, filthy. I, I was watching him. They was he's like, listen. Filthy. They, 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 he, they said, somebody said he's Tyler Hansborough. No, no. That's just because he's white? <laughs> no, he's, Triggered. No, no he's that's, not just that he's white. It's that he's white and a stiff. <laughs> he's not a stiff, though. He's, he's not a stiff he's at all. Why? Because he's white. Uh, by the way, real, the real quick, <laughs> real quick, girl, before we get to our next read, our next topic, you, I'm only bringing this up because you mentioned Bronny. Did you see, did you guys talk about, uh, was it, um, what's his name? Um, Seth, was it Seth Curry that made comments about Bronny? Austin Rivers. Uh, uh, oh, Austin I, Rivers. I knew it was a legacy. What did he say? Austin Rivers. I think he's right. Made these comments and he's like. I agree with him, by the way. Because everybody wants to see LeBron play with his son. Mm-hmm. Austin Rivers said, I hope LeBron does not play with his son because his son already has a crazy amount of pressure on him. And because he hasn't been great in college, like he's not a top prospect. No. And because of that, people already are going to be questioning like how much he deserves to be in the NBA. And if he plays with his dad, it's going to be even worse. So he wants to see him go to a good team where he can learn and not be not have his because he talked about how even when he played for his dad, there was some of that. Like, he said, no, ma- no matter what I did, it was always looked at as yeah. you're only and getting a like, chance because your doc's kid. Right. And he's like, my dad was a good player. His dad's the gra- greatest player ever. So, yeah. um, listen, he, you're out of pocket. Ooh. You tripping. You know, nah. why Why would he go to a good team and end up in a G League in three weeks, bro? Like, come on, bro. Like, cats, like, people. Is that better for his career, though? No, it's not. You're LeBron James' son. You do not want to go to the G League because there's a chance. Look, hey, nobody said the same thing about Zaire Wade. He was in the G League forever. They was like, yeah, good, go to Utah, you know, get your G League off, you'll be up. No, he's about to, he's playing at the local uh, Y right now. <laughs> you better stay under that umbrella. Yeah. You get rained on. He Listen, he need to get to a point where he can play with LeBron and develop a role. And LeBron can help cement that role. He'll tell him, "Listen, you're gonna play hard defense. You're gonna be, you're gonna be a, a, a one-two defender, a bulldog on the ball defender. 
You're going to be a corner three specialist. You're going to be a dude that can come in and knock down some shots, play some defense. But if he get outside that umbrella and get with a team that got ball players and he exposes himself, he, he mess around and be in G League. Do you, know what stop G- it. you know what G just said? And it's not exactly apples to apples, but it's like apples to pears. If Bronny James can become Isaac Okoro. He, be, he, got, he got a spot. Mm. Spot in the league. Because he, right, he's, he's, a he's got a better chance with LeBron because LeBron's going to make the point of that. Oh, yeah. Now, other guys are going to be like, that's yeah, baloney, like, who cares? LeBron will make him. Yeah. He will tell him, no, 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 this is what you do. Yeah. And then when I leave here, you are to be set up. And there won't be no expectations for you to be anything right. but your role. All take right. that. It's an interesting take. All right, Earl, what do you got for us? All right, so the Cleveland Cavaliers return home on the 12th of February to play the Philadelphia 76ers. And if you want to go to that game, I suggest you download the app called Game Time. Uh, it's, it is the fast and easiest way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, theater events near you. Um, you download it. The app is slick. It's smooth, easy to navigate. And if you download today, this is what you can do. You can use locked on. I mean, use code locked on for twenty dollars off your first purchase. So go ahead and download Game Time. And get your tickets for the Cavs versus 76ers on the 12th of February. How much is how much is course side tickets? 400, 500 bucks. I can't afford game. them. Damn. I looked on SeatGeek. That was like a thousand. I'm saying for who? Yeah, oh, it, it yeah. depends on the game though. Yeah, I want listen. I, I want. sat once in the first round. Now, I did not pay for the tickets. I wouldn't. I don't. I'm not spending that. How kind much of money. is it to sit where Miles Garrett be sitting? That's those like, are VIP seats. Yeah, yeah, those yeah. are like I think I own the team. Ten, ten grand. <laughs> you can't. I, I, but I, have, have you ever sat first row? I've, at a college game, yeah. I've done it for college, but I sat for a Cavs game during the LeBron years once, right by the visiting team bench in the first row, underneath the. How'd you rob? Who you robbed for that? Brian Perino from Perino Builders. Shout he out invited to- me. Nice shout out, Perino. And we sat there, and Kevin Love almost fell in my lap. It was that was an amazing experience. I got Kevin say. Love in your lap was an amazing experience. Well, no, just crazy. Be, being that close that? that court, crazy. Yeah, you, you you could hear everything they say. I mean, it, it was pretty cool. Go ahead, Earl. All right, so here at the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show, man, we we take pride in diversity, and we have been honoring Black History Month uh, on this show on social media, and today. I kind of lined this up right for you, boy. Today we are going to honor Don Newcomb, uh, who in 1956 won the inaugural Cy Young Award. On the heels of a 27-win season that also saw him named the National League MVP, Newcomb became the inaugural winner of the award that has become synonymous with pitching excellence. He will become the first and only one of two players uh, to win the Cy Young MVP and Rookie of the Year honors in his career. Seven years earlier, he became the first black starting pitcher in a World Series game. So today, UCSS, we put the spotlight on Don Newcomb. So Don Newcomb, who was obviously a great pitcher, Hall of Famer, um, was uh, one of my dad's favorite players when he was a kid. Um, Obviously, Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier with the Dodgers, and eventually the Dodgers did become one of the, the teams that, when other teams were still not bringing in black players or had few, the the Dodgers were very, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, progressive. progressive. Progressive, that's a good word. Uh, and Don Newcomb was great. And you mentioned that he was the first Cy Young winner because when the Cy Young started in, it was 56 that he won the Cy Young, right, Earl? It, it, when the Cy Young started in 56, now it's, there's one guy in the NL and one guy in the AL. But in 56, for I think the first 
six years, ten years, something like that. There was only one. It was like the MVP. You mm. just there was one Cy Young winner for the whole league, and he won Cy Young and MVP that year. He was a great pitcher. Uh, and he, I, I, I'm pretty sure he played for the Indians in his last year in the big leagues, if I remember correctly. Around, I want to say, I don't remember what year it was, but he, I think he played, it might have been 1960 or something like that. Uh, I can't remember, but I believe he played for the Indians his last year, and then he went to Japan, I think, and played briefly over there. But uh, anyway, Don Newcomb was a great pitcher. Do you know uh, the second most famous Newcomb? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Duke Nukem. I don't know Duke. I don't know Duke. Who's Duke Nukem? Oh my gosh. Chat, they don't see chat. This is the reason we be getting in trouble. They don't cause somebody that is of age tell these people in the chat who Duke Nukem is. But you said of age, you have someone ten years older and ten years younger sitting right yeah. next to you. What, hey, yeah, what age are you talking about? Like when somebody going Earl, somebody, you know who Duke Nukem is? He's a uh He's a, a G.I. Joe character from I think Toy Soldiers. Yeah, was he the G was he the G.I. Joe guy? Okay. What are you talking about? Don Newcomb. I don't know where pictures. he is going with this. I man. thought I missed the cultural reference. This is a, a well, cartoon character. Well, we're waiting on Duke Newcomb. Here's what I did. I did a little yeah. research. I'll be honest. Yeah. I was unfamiliar with Don Newcomb before yesterday. And Earl okay. gives us, I did a little research. Two things that stood out to me about yeah. Don Newcomb. One, he won the Rookie of the Year, the MVP, and the Cy Young. Mm-hmm. He started his career in 1949 winning Rookie of the Year. Right. It took 62 years for someone else to win Rookie of the Year, MVP, and Cy Young. It was Justin Verlander. He's done something that's happened twice in the history of baseball. Yeah. Don Newcomb and Justin Verlander. That's it. Yeah. Unbelievable accomplishment. Yes. And secondly, yeah. it's still hard for me to imagine a world where someone's professional athletics career just gets cut short because he had to go fight in the war. He served two years in the Korean War. That's crazy. And Which then came wild back. Because there were a lot of players in those days yeah. from World War II through Vietnam and Korea and Vietnam that left, like, great players, the yeah. superstars. Amen. Well, he was, he was one Tillman, of them. When yeah. Pat Tillman went to fight, like, that was so weird because nobody does that anymore. Not that I blame guys not for. I'm, I'm not saying – but in those days, like, all the superstars went and fought. So shout yeah. out to him. Not all, but yeah. many of but them. But shout out to Don Newcomb yes. for, for doing that. And yeah. then coming back, he, I was reading, he struggled in his first year back. Yeah. Took him a year to reacclimate to a full-time baseball career and then yeah. went on to win – I got him his imagine. Cy Young and his MVP after yeah. his, yeah. Uh, his one, tour in One of the uh, bloodiest Korea. wars of all time is the Korean War. It's the Forgotten War. Uh, Battle of Midway. Crazy out there. Um, but, yeah, but by the way, Duke Nukem, this is why he's, he's, he's important. Uh, Duke Nukem is a media franchise named for its character, Duke Nukem, created um, by a company, Apogee Apog- Software Limited. Now in 3D realms, uh, as a series of video games for personal computers, the series expanded to games released for various consoles by third-party producers. The game, first two in the main series, a 2D platform. One of the first games that you could play on regular PC that transferred over to... uh, Regular game categories. It was the first. It was one of the first-person shooters. It's the grandfather of that. 
in uh, today's I am, I am familiar, G. Yeah. Now, now, I, that, I now I'm looking at him. I think pocket right yeah. now, but go ahead, Earl. Yeah. A couple things. So Steve just did some uh, research, Mike. It was actually World War II that he went and fought in. But, boy, yeah. just, I, I guess I kind of want to know you. I mean, you're the oldest person out here. For him to win the Cy Young Award Damn. in 1956, none of us was around. But I can only imagine, you know, the uproar that it might have brought out, you know, and especially in the times that we were living in. This is a black man that yeah. is getting all this praise and all this recognition at a time to where that's kind of like really unheard of. Yeah, I mean, it. well, I mean, I think every time, I mean, obviously I wasn't there and didn't have that experience in any way, even if I had been alive in those days. I may be old, but I'm not that old. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I know, um, you know, w- whether it's the first MVP or Rookie of the Year or Ernie Davis winning the first Heisman Trophy as a black man, I'm sure there were people there were voters. It is amazing, ultimately, that they won because you would think there had to be a percentage of those writers that were flat-out racist, especially in those days, that it is amazing that those guys won when they did. And obviously, there were... Like, the fact that Jim Brown never won a Heisman Trophy is kind of ludicrous. And then, you know, soon after Ernie Davis did. And so, in those days, um, again, not being old enough, but you would assume, I think it's a, a safe assumption, that a black player, as these all these leagues all started to get integrated, uh, had to do more to get an award than, <clears throat> than a white dude. It had to be clear that the other guy was ahead because, I'm not, obviously, I'm sure all the writers, even then, were not all racist, but there had to be at least a decent percentage of them that were, uh, uh, if not the majority. So it, it, it is amazing. Yes. If, if you couldn't sit at the same restaurant or be in the front of a bus <laughs> during the time when you was playing baseball, do you think you had to be great to yeah. win a wild? <laughs> Bro, you had to be Jordan. You, you had to be uh, Jesus is Nazareth or something. But there were probably off. some writers in those days that no matter how good the guy was, yeah, he just wasn't going to vote for him. So it is crazy that, that he won. That he won the first Cy Young Award. Which is it's just wild. Now this was you know a decade after Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier, so things had changed a little, I'm sure. But I, I'm guessing it wasn't that much different from ten years earlier. But I will say this: uh, sports has always been a place where um, people could admire your gifts. That's Be- true. Because they, when you play so well, it transcends your race or your just your gender or whatever it is. Right. You play so well, you have no choice but to have be an admirer. Of, of your God-given ability, and you just right. be like, yeah, I can't, it is what it is, he's cold. And it's, you know, a lot of that, I mean, and, and let's face it, right? So, when, first, when Jackie Robinson was first in the league, and then Larry Doby, and Don Newcomb in that next group of players, um, some of their teammates, not all their teammates were, were asses, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, some of their teammates accepted them right away and weren't racist or bad people. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure there were some writers that were like that too, that were like, oh, it's about hell freaking time that this happened. So, you know, fortunately the good won out. But it is it is crazy if you think about it. Yeah. That an award like a baseball award, a sport that had not allowed black players for all this time, and then they 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 have this new award. It's based on at what at the time was considered the greatest pitcher of all time, Cy Young, and the, and the first winner is a black man. It's, it's, crazy. it's pretty amazing. And Don Newcomb was a great. I, he, I told, he, I mentioned before, he's one of my dad's favorite players. He used to talk about him all the time. 
when I was a kid, how much he loved watching him pitch. He, he loved Don Newcomb and Sandy Koufax. Those were his two favorite players when my dad was younger. Uh, but anyway, so well-deserved to, to be talking about him today. Was I right? Did you look that up? Did he play for the Indians his last year? He did play for the Indians. I was trying to scour through it and get the information, but all I said, he, he did play for yeah. the Indians. I don't know if it was. I think last he played in Japan. Like, I think he, I think he played for the Indians and then he played for Japan and that was, or not for Japan, but in the in Japanese J- in league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.